Well, this morning and next Sunday morning, actually, Andrew is on vacation, a well-deserved time of rest and hopefully refreshment. And we are privileged to have the great Sue Musselman in the house. I know. I just notched up the expectation there for you. Thanks thanks a lot. um, It's a privilege to serve on staff with Sue, and uh, she does an excellent job leading our children's ministry and overseeing our youth ministry and loving kids and family as well. So Jesus, thank you for the message that you have prepared um, for us to hear through Sue. Would you bless her as she shares, and would you speak to us as we receive? In your name, amen. Thank you so much. Good morning, friends. So good to be with you. So good to have you with us online today, and, um, and I just have a little talk to share with you today. As you know, we've been in the midst of an amazing series. I have just gotten so much out of this series. It's called The Lessons from Three Kings. And I just want to remind you, if you've missed a message somewhere along the way, you can always go to our website and go on media and find anything, anyone that you have missed, any part of the series. Also, I know for sure you could find it on YouTube and then Facebook. I don't know how long it stays up on Facebook, but please check it out if you've missed a message. And so uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Andrew took us uh, right up to the story of Solomon. And he explained, uh, well, he told some of the story of Solomon, but he also shared that uh, Solomon in a dream God asked him, what is it that you would want? And Solomon said, I would like wisdom to lead your people, or lead the people, and, how, and just needing wisdom. And I have, uh, I went, I just am so impressed with that thought and that scripture. And, and Andrew shared with us that, um, that when Solomon asked for wisdom to be others focused, he, uh, that wisdom has transferred down to us through the wisdom books of the Bible. And that would be Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And so we could say that Solomon was the fountainhead for wisdom literature. And for the next month, we're going to be talking about that and diving a little bit deeper into the book of Proverbs. Now, in Hebrew tradition, it's thought that your journey must begin with what Proverbs describes as the fear of the Lord. That's not meant to be some scary, uh, looking over you, kind of angry fear. Uh, of the Lord, but it's a healthy respect for God's definition of good and evil. And true wisdom means that we find the boundary lines that God has created, and then we try not to cross them. Now, in the book of wisdom, or or the book of wisdom, which is Proverbs, lady wisdom is personified as wisdom. I love that lady wisdom, and I get to, I'm a lady, and I get to talk about that. And, um, and in that personification, lady wisdom invites us to experience and gain wisdom and encourage us to, encourages us to do so. 
Now, if I could share with you, I did not learn about the story of, of Solomon until I was 19 years old. And then in a teaching, I heard this, this portion of scripture that said that, that God asked Solomon what he wanted, and Solomon said, wisdom, so that I could rule your people, love your people. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's what I want. That's what I need at 19 years old. <laughs> and asking continually and continually, God, please give me wisdom. I want wisdom, like it is a superpower. So I was like, wisdom could be my superpower. So when I hear lady wisdom, I do not hear it all prim and proper like lady wisdom. I hear like, lady wisdom to the rescue. And so, uh, so I'm going to show you, or we're going to show you just a short video clip that introduces you to lady wisdom. There are four poems from Lady Wisdom. Here, wisdom has been poetically personified as a woman who calls out to humanity to pay attention and to seek her. Wisdom says that she is woven into the fabric of the universe, and so wherever you see people making wise decisions, they are relying on her. So you see someone being generous or having sexual integrity or upholding justice. They are drawing on wisdom. These Lady Wisdom poems, they're a creative, poetic way of exploring this idea that we live in God's moral universe, and that goodness and justice are objective realities that we ignore to our own peril. And so fearing the Lord, living wisely, it's living along the grain of the universe. Now together, these two sets of speeches from the Father and Lady Wisdom, they make a powerful claim about this book, that you're not simply reading good advice. You're reading God's own invitation to learn wisdom from previous generations. And so in the next section of the book, chapters 10 through 29, we find hundreds of ancient proverbs, and they apply wisdom and the fear of the Lord to every life topic you could imagine. Family, work, neighborhood, friendship, sex, marriage, money, anger, forgiveness, alcohol, debt, everything. And these are all filtered through the value system of Proverbs 1 through 9. Now these Proverbs, they're all pretty short. They're easy to memorize. And actually this section of the book is meant to become a reference work that you return to time and time again throughout the years, which raises some important issues in learning how to read these Proverbs. First of all, Proverbs are by nature about probabilities. So you fear the Lord and you make wise, good choices things will likely go well for you. And if you don't fear the Lord, you're foolish, your life will likely not go so well. Now, that is all often true, but not always. Which leads to the next point, that Proverbs are not promises. They're not formulas for success. So, some Proverbs, for example. The fear of the Lord prolongs your life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Or, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't turn from it. So yes, fearing God, being a moral person, will most likely lead to a better, longer life. And raising your kids in a stable, loving home does set them up well. But there are no guarantees. Lots of things can and often do go wrong in our world. And so lastly, Proverbs by nature focus on the general rule, but not the exceptions, which are many. 
And the wisdom books actually aren't ignorant of that. The exceptions are what the other wisdom books, Job and Ecclesiastes, are all about. And together, these acknowledge that life is too complex for simple formulas, which is why we need all of the wisdom books together to get the bigger picture. So, as the video points out, there are hundreds of proverbs that are in uh, chapters 10 through 31 about any and all aspects of life. And many of these sets of proverbs can be applied to any given situation at hand. And Proverbs does provide for us this framework of learning lessons and remembering those lessons. And it often is meant to motivate us to better behaviors. But you might have noticed that in that video, it also points out that it's God's invitation to us for wisdom throughout the generations. So it's like we can get wisdom from the books, but we also have to apply wisdom. So we sort of need wisdom to get wiser. And how do you do that? That's, to me, a great question. And one that I think maybe we could consider, that wisdom is best found in community. That we learn from or gain wisdom through the words of one another. Simply put, wise words must be wisely used by wise people in order to result in wisdom. Wise words must be wisely used by wise people in order to result in wisdom. Or as Proverbs 20.15 puts it, Wise speech is rarer and more valuable than gold and roots. I really love that. Wise speech is rarer and more valuable than gold and rubies. Time and time again, Proverbs speaks of the power and the potency of our words. And it, there are more than 20 five proverbs that speak specifically to the power and potency. Words are valuable in song and in poems. Words are valuable in prayers and sermons. Words are valuable written and spoken. Words matter. Why do you think cardboard testimonies became so pop, uh, such a trend and popular? They're just words on poster board or on cardboard. And they have such an impact when we see them and when we hear them. So words feed our souls or they break our spirits. Words motivate and inspire us. Or they paralyze us. Words can bring about death, or they can be life-giving. And that's probably most important to us as Jesus followers. 
that the words that we use, the words that we speak, the words that we write would be life-giving. Proverbs 18.14 says this, a person's words can be life-giving water. Words of true wisdom are refreshing as a bubbling brook. Proverbs 15.4 says this, gentle words bring life and health. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. As people of God, we are ones who are called to speak strength into weakness. We're called to bring hope into despair. We're called to speak life into death. We carry words with us. We carry words that can build up or tear down. We carry words that can encourage or discourage. We carry words that can admonish or demolish. This is who we are. So how do we become the people of Proverbs who have words that are wellsprings of life, that have words that, is, that are healing balms to others? I think that it has to start with paying attention to our hearts. Out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. And I think that most of us tuck those words into our soul and out of sight. We speak few words that come from an honest look into our soul and not often enough do we have the courage to speak words that come from an authentic place that we carry in our hearts. The psalmist asks God in Psalm 139, verse 23, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. If we want to be wise people, who carry words that speak life and health, I believe that we have to look into our heart and into our souls. Think about it for a minute. Have you ever said something rashly or impulsively and it, words just go flying out of your mouth and you go, where did that come from? Or you write words or write phrases and that you hit send or whatever. And then you go, oh, what was I thinking? There are many times that I go, Holy Spirit, will you just be my editor? Because we need to think about those words and what our words and what our words carry. Could some of our impulsivity, could some of that be because we have not really filled our souls with life-giving Proverbs eleven seventeen 17 says this, your own soul is nourished 
when you are kind, but you destroy yourself when you are cruel. So friends, what are the words that you speak to yourself? What are the words that you have spoken and live in your soul? Our words can often become our thoughts. And those thoughts lead to soundtracks. John Acuff, in his latest book, Soundtracks, says, Your thoughts are the internal soundtracks you listen to even more than your favorite song. He also says, The most important conversations you'll ever have are the ones you'll have with yourself. You wake up with them. You walk around with them. You go to bed with them. And eventually, you learn to act on them, good or bad. Also, we're not the only ones that can put those words into our souls. Sometimes and often, we have words that are spoken over us that are life-giving. But today, I just want to speak to those of you that have had words spoken over them, mostly or sometimes by the people that are closest to us. And those words have landed in your soul. And I just want to say, I'm sorry. That is not the way it should be. But sometimes that is the way it is. And so can I tell you, you don't have to continue to carry that. You can be free from those words and the effects of that. You can have those words emptied from your soul so that the life-giving words can grow. But it takes a little bit of work. It takes some forgiveness. It takes digging into that pain a little bit, or maybe not a little bit, but a lot. I kind of envision it like this. When I moved into my house, on the fence line, there was vines growing on, um, growing on the fence line. And I looked at that and I thought, oh, that's pretty. I don't, have to, I don't have to decorate that part. I have nice green vines. And in the fall, they turn gorgeous colors. That's what I thought until I wanted to plant things. Because I did not know that those vines have invasive and invasive root system. They go down far and wide. They stick to your fence and start to bring the fence down. They can be so invasive. 
But in 2020, I was determined I was going to create a, a beautiful outside living area. And so I started to dig and to plant, and the more I dug, the more I found those invasive roots. I say, I was, I mean, I was, let me just tell you, life-affirming words do not come out of my mouth when I refer to those vines. I love my neighbor, not the vines. Uh, and so digging and working that out takes time. It takes so much of that pulling and yanking. And sometimes I just want to say, forget it. But that's not what's going to work if I want beauty, beautiful plants to grow. The same works for us. If we want the beauty of life-giving words to come out of our souls, then we got to get rid of the invasive vines. It's just part of the way it works. As I've been praying for us and for this message, I have been praying specifically for those of you that I know are carrying a word in your soul that ought not be there. And so I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes just for a moment. Those of you that are at home, close your eyes just for a moment. And I just ask the Holy Spirit to bring that word to mind. Now, I believe that there is a word that has been brought to your mind. Write it down right now. Don't hesitate. Write it on your hand, write it, um, write it on, a, on the skinny, write it on a napkin. I don't, I don't care where you write it, but don't, don't lose this moment. Write it down. And then as soon as you can, I want you to, to find somebody that will pray with you. I want you to find somebody that will speak life over you. I want you to find somebody that you can get that word, shine the light on that word, and be free. Don't wait. Don't let it continue to grow roots that are just invasive. You might say, oh, I want to also make sure I say this. Take the time to meditate on the word of God. Just as Chelsea prayed for us, find the word that God speaks over you. I guarantee that that will be the key to cutting out the invasive vine. Now you might say, well, what does it matter? I'm just, it's just inside of me. But here's the thing. We need those life-giving words 
to fill up our souls and fill them to overflowing so that it comes out of us. Remember, we carry words. And so we want the life-giving ones to be overflowing in us so that we can speak them to others. We want spirit-filled words. We want spirit-saturated words because there is power in our words. Parents, that is so important for you. Think about how we need to take care of ourselves so that we can take better care of our children. Why do we sit on airplanes and listen to all those instructions, one of which is, if you have a child or a person that cannot care for themselves, put the oxygen mask on you before you take care of that person or that child. Why do you do that? Because an unconscious adult is not going to be helpful. Why do we need to be overflowing with life-giving words? Because we need to give those away. And a soul that is entangled with the roots of words that are not life-giving are not able to then give it away. And our children need to hear life-giving words. They need to hear words that will strengthen them, that will give them courage. And those words need to be spread. And those words need to go deep into their souls. Words live on for generations. Words stick to us. Words can linger. So speak life-giving words, affirming words, healing words, loving words. And can I tell you something? That's just not for parents in the natural. That is for parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles. And it is also for those of us that are spiritual mothers and fathers. Andrew has said, it doesn't matter how old we are. There are always people that we can be mothers and fathers too. And so this is not just for those of us that are parents naturally. This is for all of us that are mothers and fathers to others, to the younger generation, to the younger people that have come alongside us in this family. If I could share a story of how impactful words can be. My husband, who has passed away, um, would speak words over our son my son, Jacob, he would throw his arm, and this started when he was so young, throw his arm around my son, and he would say, 
This is my son in whom I am well pleased. It did not matter what conversation Jacob was in. He could have been with a group of girls. He could have been with young people. He could have been with older. He could have been in the middle of a a worship staff meeting. And my, my husband would just walk up, throw his arms around him, and say that to anybody that would listen. I didn't realize the impact of that until my son had his son. And the first thing that Jacob posted on the day that his son was born was, the last thing that I remember my father saying to me was, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And that is the first thing that I said to my son today. Words linger. They go generation to generation. So what is the word or the words that you parents want to sustain throughout the years? If you build up your sense of worth, if you build up who you are in Christ, I promise you, that will impact your child. If you will find out who you are by reading God's word and reading it with your family, your child will find out who they are. So get into the word. Find a way that it is a sustainable habit for you. Sustainable habit. It could be just reading one verse a day. It could be reading a proverb or chapter of Proverbs a day. Whatever works for you and your family, do it. Because what you fill yourself up with, you will give away. Now, let me be honest. I really, 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 really try to consider the words that come out of my mouth. I really do ask the Holy Spirit to be my editor. But I'm not perfect. And sometimes I speak words a little bit too impulsively. But I have a vision, or I have an illustration that was shared with me when I became a teacher, and it has lived with me for a while. And so I want to share that with you. Now, this is a tube of toothpaste, and I like toothpaste. I like to brush my teeth. I'm sure you all do. Toothpaste is good for us, right? We know it is. Imagine that this tube of toothpaste are words. And used in right measure, they can bring about good things. But scripture also says 
that our words can be uh, reckless. And reckless words pierce like swords. And so, let's say that you're using your words recklessly. And this is what happens. It creates a mess. And you may think, oh, wish I hadn't said that. But just like right now, that's not going back in the tube. That's what reckless words can do to another soul. And even if I was to try to clean it up, not cleaning up very quickly, is it? So we can say we're sorry, and that is important. We can ask for forgiveness, and that is necessary. But I want you to know that we can create a mess. So let that visual sit there for just a little bit. Now, it continues in Proverbs to say, the words of art, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Just like I said, wise speech is rarer than gold or rubies. Rubies or gold. So here's what I would like to say to you and leave with you. Let's be people that speak life-giving words over one another. Let's be people that have so filled up our souls with life-giving words. They are so embedded in us that we can't help but to share those with others. Let's pursue a language with one another that is spirit-saturated. Speaking whatever is truly alive, truly being, whatever is God-inspired alive into us and into another. And then accepting whatever is truly alive in another when it's spoken to us. Find people in community that are going to speak life-giving words over you. Then you speak them over somebody else. Dr. Larry Crabb was a Christian, uh, a Christian counselor, an author, and a Bible teacher. He died in February. But he wrote several best-selling books, one of which is Soul Talk. And he says in Soul Talk, most people go through their entire life never speaking words to another human, that human being that come out of what is deepest within them. And most people never hear words that reach all the way into that deep place we call soul. We like to keep things on the surface a lot of times. 
We like to keep those hurtful words hidden. But I think the Holy Spirit has something to say to us today. That we should daily affirm who we are in Christ. And we should live those out in community. We should find people who will speak those words with you and over you. And sometimes you need to be reminded of who you are in Christ. Who God says you are. You are called. You are chosen. You are a masterpiece that God created through Jesus Christ to do good works from the beginning. Our words have power. Our words have potency. How much more power and potency could we have with Holy Spirit? So, as I invite some people, our prayer teams, to come forward, and as they are moving to the front of the room, because we will have some prayer time right here in the front, I just want to remind you of the points from the message today. Why speech is valuable. Our words have power and potency. I want to ask you, what words do you have hidden in your heart? And what words will linger in your children's hearts? Daily affirm who you are in Christ, who Christ says that you are. And speak anointed words to one another. Let me pray for you. Our Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a good Father who has chosen each one of us, who has called us by name, and who speaks words that are spirit-filled over us. Father, fill each one of us up today. Help us to have the courage to dispel the words that we have spoken over ourselves or words that have been spoken over us that are not true to who you say that we are. Bring freedom to each one of us starting in this moment. Let the power and the potency of the Holy Spirit reign in our hearts and souls. We ask this in Jesus' name. And so uh, if you would like prayer, if you need somebody to pray with you, to shine a light on that word, or to, um, to have a word spoken over you that's life-giving, I just invite you, if you're in the house, to come on down. If you're on the stream and you need somebody to be praying specifically about that, please drop that in the chat. And I am so glad that you have all been with us today. We can't wait to see you tomorrow or next week. 
I could, I, I'll see you tomorrow if you want to. Um, we can't wait to see you next week. Don't forget, nine o'clock service is outdoors next week if you wanna, um, if you wanna be a part of that. And please join us again.